僕です It's incredible It's an altar of some kind Looks like the king suffered dearly for their people They weren't just protecting the tusk. Historians believe that it was a symbol of power and dominance, but I reckon they misunderstood. It was a symbol of their people, their culture. It was a symbol of them. What sort of this? Welcome to episode three of Screen Looking, a podcast where close friends take a closer look at their favorite video games. I'm your host, Andrew Kuhar. Thanks for joining us again. With each new PlayStation console, Naughty Dog utilized their potential with a new video game series. On the PlayStation 1, there was Crash Bandicoot. With the PlayStation 2, they brought us Jack and Daxter. Near the end of the PlayStation 3's life cycle, their newest series, The Last of Us, arrived and will continue on the PlayStation 4. But it was the Uncharted series and its hero, Nathan Drake, that pushed the PlayStation 3 to its absolute limit for nearly a decade since 2007. As crucial as they are to Uncharted, it wasn't simply just the photorealistic graphics that made these games successful. They take the player on rich adventures such as Marco Polo's unfinished quest through the Himalayas, or locating Henry Avery's pirate utopia of Libertaria. These locations feel lost to time, yet, as Naughty Dog puts it, sublime and their wonder is sold by the actors breathing life into each character. The technology Naughty Dog is using today captures a distinct sense of physicality, of what it'd feel like to visit these locations, fact or fiction, and the surprising amount of nuance their grandeur needs to feel like a place you could actually visit. But it's also the small, clever design choices that seal the deal, such as how Uncharted offers no traditional life bar, but instead luck that eventually runs out. It's in the subtle performances, and how the game's creators use a camera like a movie director would. They let us focus on the incredible detail in a character's expression, as they tell a white lie for instance, and then seamlessly put their well-being into our hands as the player. Buy me a drink, sailor. Harry Flynn? Hey! What the hell are you doing here? I'm looking for you, mate. Uh-oh. Should I be flattered or worried? Maybe a bit of both. <laughs> Come here. I've got a job for us. Really? A client is willing to part with a huge sum of cash if we acquire a certain object for him. Right, I'm listening. Now, you're not gonna like this. 
Oh, no. No, you're out of your mind. Yeah, you just, just hear me out for no. a second. Flynn, we both know two people who were killed trying to lift something out of this and place. And one who made it out. Yeah, barely. I can't do this without you, Drake. You're the only one who's cracked it, and you know better than anyone it's a two-person job. No, no, no. Three, actually. Right. And speak of the devil, here she comes now. What? Chloe Fraser. Nate. Drake. Nathan. Drake. Hello, Harry. Chloe here's one of the best drivers in the business. She'll take good care of us. I bet. It's these personal touches on a giant canvas that define a Naughty Dog game, and it proves to be essential in their latest release, Uncharted The Lost Legacy. With Nathan Drake's story having been closed in Uncharted 4, Naughty Dog set out to tell a new adventure, with the spotlight now set on two of its female anti-heroes and series favorites, Chloe Frazier and Nadine Ross. The Lost Legacy distills some of the best parts of Uncharted, polished to a sheen with its less is more philosophy, and brought down to earth with its new lead characters and their more personal stories. In today's episode, we'll be talking about these details and the effort that went into them as we revisit Chloe and Nadine's journey through a war-torn South India in search of an ancient Hindi relic. And yes, there will be spoilers. Fair warning. Uh, we're only three episodes in to the Screen Looking Podcast, but we've already set a new record with Hilary Beauvais here in the guest seat again. <laughs> you have beaten all records for amount of times in the guest seat. How does it feel? Uh, thank you. I'm honored and glad to be back. How is it? I mean, how has it changed your life? I mean, is it... Um, you know, not as significantly as I would have hoped, <laughs> but... Uh, Everyone should go uh, read our top 10 crash levels, at least. Let's get get some hits on that article. Oh, yeah. And then come back and listen to episodes you haven't listened to of the other two. Get caught up. Thank you. I'm glad that this has changed your life in such a way. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Yeah, actually, that's a good uh, thank you for that uh, little <laughs> helpful introduction there. Um, yeah. Yeah, so last time we talked about... Naughty Dog's oldest game and then the uh, remasters that Vicarious Visions did and as promised today we're talking about their newest game which came out last year Uncharted The Lost Legacy. Mm -hmm. This is an interesting entry into a uh, critically acclaimed series action adventure series that uh, usually stars a totally different main character. But um, they ended that series with Uncharted 4. The narrative and story of that series has been completed. They decided to tell this one last story off the beaten path. And it was originally supposed to be more of a like a DLC add-on to Uncharted 4. Almost like an addendum or an epilogue to that. And it turned out to be so massive that they just made it its own separate standalone game. And I think it was, uh, it was ju- they were justified in doing that. Um, so you are kind of new to the Uncharted series in a way. Um, yeah, I have not really seen much of the earlier Uncharted games, like meaning like one through three. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of only seen bits and pieces through like YouTube clips or even just images. Um, but you played Uncharted four. So I watched you play that. And uh, that was really my kind of entry point into mm-hmm. seeing the full game. And obviously because it at the time was the newest one slash the last mm-hmm. biggest entry in the series, like 
it was really fleshed out, like so detailed, and obviously the graphics are crazy. If we could take a step back, actually, how would you describe the Uncharted series to someone who you were maybe trying to get them into it? Okay. Um, I would say it's an action-adventure game, and the like kind of main hook is that you're a treasure hunter and you're traversing really like lush landscapes and ruins a lot of the time and really just like having adventures that you would never otherwise get to have mm-hmm. yeah it's very like how describe it. cinematic very um, cinematic i would agree with that probably the closest thing you... it's not indiana jones but that's the probably the best analog i can think of in terms of like a the the experience in terms of the drama and the mystery and these myths I think, yeah each other. i think the only reason i didn't describe it as that is because i don't really care about indiana jones Ooh. um unpopular opinion never really got into that so heat check yeah getting some heat but uh <laughs> <laughs> that's all right that's all right that's why i didn't initially say that but i definitely understand that touchstone yeah yeah so uh yeah it's got a lot of movie qualities to it uh everything from the photorealism of the environments to the performances and both the dialogue and the, the characters, physical actions, uh, the interactions between them uh, from scene to scene. There's these giant set pieces that you usually build up to. Uh, you'll, have, you'll start in these smaller, quieter, local, urban settings, and then you'll get into, like you said, these lush, really hard to believe these exist on Earth environments, sort of uncovering these lost civilizations or yeah. um, things that are lost to time. Uh, yeah, so so you had fleetingly seen it and then saw Uncharted 4 and saw my interest in it and yeah. kind of went from, what is this, to, to can oh, you play Uncharted 4 so I can watch? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it looked like a lot of fun and I'm into action-adventure stuff, even though not particularly Indiana Jones, <laughs> but um, I love the idea of like coming across ancient ruins and you know yeah traversing these landscapes that like i'm not about to go to like you know rural india and check these out so this is like my vicarious way of doing that I sure guess. yeah um and being a badass at the same time we're like yeah in real life i don't i can't like you know punch people out of my way to get to the ruins or whatever is happening <laughs> in the game yeah um <laughs> it's funny because uh, going back a little bit to the original Uncharted's, without getting into the weeds with them, um, they really they were known for being watchable, quote unquote. Like there was, if I recall, there was actually commercials where they were um, trying to position the PS3 as this very like the center of your entertainment media console area, mm-hmm. and that it wasn't just a game system; it was. Also for movie watching, and you could have all these different apps on it um, for streaming services. And I guess there were some of these games that were so photorealistic that they were trying to pitch it as there are people out there who just like to watch their partners play these games because they're almost like movies when you're not playing them. Right. They come off that way. So I remember distinctly there being some commercials where it's like the person's playing it and they come sit down and they're super engaged. And then you look on the TV screen and the camera cuts to it and it's Uncharted 1 being played. Right. Um, so in that sense, that still is true today with Uncharted 4. Well, it's funny then that you say that because they also parallel that near the end of the game. In what way? With the crash. Thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the funny. In Uncharted 4, there's a, 
a you know one of our first spoilers but not a huge one there's a there's a crash cameo in uncharted 4 that is excellent and probably one of the greatest cameos ever in a video game but <laughs> it involves two people sitting on a couch and one person watching and the other person playing so yeah that's that's a great point thanks hmm. Hmm. full circle clearly they were referencing that yeah so but yeah so uncharted 4 was a game that was it was really long it was the definitive entry at the end there's a lot of lore in that game with pirates and finding this ancient uh pirate city libertaria i think is what it was um and so that game was very very extensive it was their final hurrah for that series uh, the lead character in that game nathan drake is an iconic video game character um, voiced by nolan north who has a lot of credits to his name and so they moved on from uh, nathan drake since his story was told and decided to tell a new story with Chloe Fraser and Nadine Ross, who are two characters that one was introduced in Uncharted 2, and the latter was brought into Uncharted 4, and these two characters just seemed ripe for having a story together and going on a new adventure together with, and so Naughty Dog put together a whole separate game that is like mutually exclusive from the Uncharted storyline in a way. Um, but you saw it get advertised, and so much as went from... Yeah. you get this so I could watch it being played too. <laughs> I want to play that. And yeah. What kind of turned the key for you? Um, I think definitely the fact that I could play as a badass woman. Mm-hmm. Like Nathan Drake is cool, but I immediately felt like, whoa, like Chloe is so awesome. She's a really unique character. She had a really good like visual style as well. And same with like just seeing in the, you know, advertising and whatnot, like seeing her and Nadine's chemistry and I was like wow this looks like so much fun I love that it's a story about two women going on an adventure together Mm -hmm. and yeah I was just like I definitely want to do that yeah I remember that E3 reveal when they didn't you didn't find out it was Chloe until the end yeah and they so much as gave her a different uh, headdress so that you couldn't see her identity but it felt looked like a really dark serious uncharted game right um there's a few a few tells that kind of gave it away but then at the end she pulls her uh she pulls her headdress off and there's Chloe Fraser and mm-hmm. you could hear the audience go crazy and I remember you thinking who's that yeah I was telling you about it and once the game came out we're like we have to play it so and we Pretty much did 50-50 on this one. Yeah, we passed the controller back and forth, and I enjoyed that. Because there were some things where I'm not really used to these big action-adventure games. Like, I only watched you play The Witcher. I didn't play it at all. Mm. That's even more in-depth, obviously. But I also didn't... I didn't pick up the controller during Uncharted 4. So I didn't really have a sense of the mechanics. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I there were some things where it was like... Especially in the fighting scenes, like you know, kind of more difficult than I would anticipate. Yeah. So I'd pass the controller off to you or there were some puzzles where it wasn't engaging me as deeply. So I would mm-hmm. pass it off to you. Yeah, or... but there were some puzzles that interested both of us. Yeah. Um, There's one puzzle I realized today that I almost completely missed because you completed it by the time I got back yeah. into the room from getting like a, a beverage or something. Yeah. <laughs> and we were watching a video today of that. And oh, that, I didn't see this part. Yeah, that was um, a cool part. Yeah, that was a great part, um, which we'll get into later. Uh, but yeah, so the game is is kind of nicely broken up in that way where there's some areas where you're just driving around. There's some areas where you're climbing. There's combat. There's puzzles. There's exploration. So there's a lot of different areas where if you're like, I don't want to do this sort of thing right now. Um I don't have to do it. I could pass it off to you and you can pick up and then I can watch. 
So it's it's actually a really surprisingly good game for that that kind of couch co-op. Definitely. Play. And some of the like puzzles can feel kind of long too. Mm-hmm. Even if they're in- interesting, they might feel like it's kind of taking mm-hmm. a long time. So that's also, it kind of breaks up the game in a way if you're passing off the controller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before we get into Lost Legacy uh, full on, there's actually a, an interesting story that came out about a game that t- has taken a lot of inspiration from Uncharted, and maybe in- Uncharted took inspiration from it, is uh, the new Tomb Raider series. Mm-hmm. They're doing the third one in the uh, rebooted un- Tomb Raider series, and today they were just talking about how they have this really uh, clever difficulty system where you can sort of slide the difficulty for the different parts of the game. Like, there's a difficulty slider for puzzles, for combat, and for traversal. Like before you start? I don't know if it's before or during or if there's just like a setting that's a mix of them. Oh, that's but cool. It's a, it's, yeah, right? So it's like if I really want to be challenged by the exploration, I can do all the climbing and parkouring and all that without any of the sort of like markers that tell you where things are. So you really have to like engage oh, with yeah. that. But you can make the combat super easy if you don't like the firefighting and all that. That's definitely what I would do. Right. Or if you're like, I really just want the puzzles to be hard if you're that person. Mm-hmm. Say, for instance, in Uncharted, where statues like bring down axes or switches yeah. get hit, and then you have only so long to get through a door, right? Uh, like booby traps and stuff. So maybe those things last shorter, or maybe there's more steps. So I think it's a really cool way to evolve what um, what what they were doing with uh, Uncharted. And that's a really good you know. idea. And I, I feel like as the Uncharted series got to the Lost Legacy, um, there's I mean, it's, there's so many good things about the entire Uncharted series. I think Uncharted Four was my, was my personal favorite of the four. But I even felt, you know, as refined as that game got from all of them, I feel like Lost Legacy refined a lot of the systems even further. Just felt like overall there's less repetition, less, you know, I hold open the door and you have to watch the character walk through the door, less, there was a lot of gunfire, but not quite as much. It didn't feel like as much. Yeah. I mean, you remember from Uncharted 4, it was like There was a lot of fighting in that game. Yeah. And even that game had less, I think, than... Some of the other ones. Really? Like, I remember getting stuck in Uncharted 2 a lot with some of the firefights where I just felt like the a, the uh, the artificial intelligence can see me from miles away and pin me off. And then 4, it felt a lot more like you could use the environment to your advantage and they really had to come and find you. Okay. Um, so even that being said, it seems like they've further and further got to this point where um, Lost Legacy is a really, it's a standalone and they have uncoupled it from their lead character mm-hmm. and their main storyline. So there's a lot of reasons, you know, how many times historically has a spinoff, quote unquote, not gone well or not been up to right, standards. Right. Um, I've, I personally feel like Lost Legacy was just as good as any of them, if not better in a lot of ways. I loved how succinct it was mm-hmm. in terms of, I mean, again, I've only seen four, but four felt a little bit long after a certain point, whereas Lost Legacy was like, there was a certain point where I thought the story was over and then there was a little bit more and I was like, yep, that was right. just right. Yeah, and I felt like of any of the games, if you go into the menu, you'll see like 20 plus chapters in an Uncharted game and realize it's really hard to, maybe they have distinct ideas of what the acts are, but I felt like Lost Legacy was one of the best candidates for breaking it up into a three-act structure. Mm. So yeah, the the game has more of a linear, action-packed one and third act, and uh, then the middle act is very, it's more open world, you can kind of explore it at your own pace. Which is a riff off of some of the ideas they were introducing in Uncharted 4. This term that I looked up, they were uh, dubbing called wide but linear. Where there's like a linear path you go, but there's a number of ways to get there. 
so it feels a little more uh, organic and whatnot. But um, yeah, so you know we're already uh, talking about I think the world and the environments. Uh, do you want to? You have like a premise? Yeah, uh, I've got or, I got uh, a brief summary for people. Plot summary. Um, so kind of the main thing here is that they're searching for the tusk of Ganesh. And Ganesh is the son of the Hindu god Shiva. Ganesh lost the tusk while defending his father's temple is the legend, how the legend goes in the game. What you kind of learn at the beginning is that Chloe's father was killed by bandits while searching for this tusk. Um, so she's continuing that adventure slash search. Mm-hmm. And um, the other main thing is that they're their core enemy here is Asav, and he wants to use the tusk to rally India into a civil war. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the main thing is Nadine and Chloe are looking for the tusk. Asav also wants the tusk, but for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. So uh, you brought up the environment, uh, India, specifically a big part of the game takes place in rural South India, uh, where there's a lot of uh, different ancient structures and whatnot and temples that apparently, according to the developers, if you look at photographs of that you can still see a lot of similar landscapes and structures today yeah Um, so it seemed like for them it was ripe for an uncharted game it was an area that nathan drake had never explored so it was fresh for them and uh, something that was very true to life visually and very immersive and uh, seemed like it was ripe for all the mythology that it's storing and all the history that's there right Um, when i when i looked it up so i kind of thought like while we were playing the game i kind of thought oh this is based on a real area, but maybe this, like, these legends don't actually exist. And, like, indeed, the, the tusk does not exist, but that's not a real thing. Mm. But pretty much everything else is. Mm. So, like, the, the one area that they go to, um, the Western Ghats, is a real mountain range mm-hmm. um, in India. And it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And it's like super biodiverse. Um, and when you look up photos of it, you can see like it's so clear that they modeled it exactly on that. Yeah. And same with, yeah, like you said, all the structures and statues and ruins and whatnot. Like if you look at photos of um, of the Hoysala Empire, which yeah. is real, and all the um, structures that are associated with that and the architectural style and the the style of the art. They like modeled it so exactly. I don't know if you know anything about like do do you know if they travel to the places that they model? Stuff I after? don't know. I watched a couple interviews where they were pretty directly asked, you know, how much research did you do? Yeah. Um, what references did you use? And they more or less answered very briefly by saying that they were, you know, looking for a way to explore uh, this uh, different parts of Hindu mythology mm-hmm. and. Uh, this area was, you know, a very centralized area for that. So they tried to do their best to uh, recreate it as closely as possible, but they didn't really go into, well, did you just you know, Google photos? Right. Did you did you look historically at how maybe it changed over time from different documentation? Like, what was the actual, like, if you had, like, a reference image yeah. on your left computer monitor and were making the 3D models on your right, what was on the left one? So I couldn't really get a clear answer for what that was. Um, Interesting. I, I mm-hmm. really, I hope that at least part of the team gets to go to these locations because I feel like it's valuable to look at Google images, but it would be so much better to actually go to the place. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there are, I'd suspect that 
people like on CD Projekt Red who made The Witcher, uh, since they're talking about folklore that is native to their area, that yeah. they might go to the trouble to travel short distances to those areas to take a referential photography. But uh, yeah, I, I couldn't really get a total, totally clear answer on if they did that for Uncharted. Maybe mm-hmm. they have in the past, but it it feels like they do, but I don't know for right, sure. Right, it's so detailed that it's kind of like, it's how insane. could they not? I mean, there are some parts of the draw distance where you see the mountains and as they fade in the background with the atmospheric fog mm-hmm. and you see the way that the light and the shadows hit when you look down these really deep chasms. Like you'll see, uh, you'll, there's one section where you're, about to cross a tree to go over into this area that Nadine has jumped over to already. And as soon as you go up to the tree, it just breaks from weather deterioration and falls into this ravine and figure out, oh, I'm sure if I look down, you'll just see the tree disappear or something, you know, like blip out of existence because it's a video game. And you can actually watch the tree like intricately tumble through <laughs> the different parts of the chasm and break down into the water and then watch the water splash. I'm like, I didn't have to look down there, but that's crazy amounts of detail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it falls directly out of the... You have to walk up to a cliff, turn the camera down, and then watch it. And it's... That's the level of detail they put into a prop. Right. Becoming unavailable to the player. So, pretty wild. Yeah, the detail in the whole game is is very Mm -hmm. wild. Yeah, and we can get in... One of the other big topics we'll talk about a little later is uh, the characters and the performance, but... One of the things that a lot of the actors were saying can be difficult with uh, giving performances that you know all this technology has helped them do is that because they're doing this, they kept calling it a volume, but it's really just like a performance space where they can capture performance capture, mocap type oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, okay. And because they don't have any real, they have like representations of props like on their belt and stuff, and they maybe have like markers for how far you have to walk and that sort of thing. Sure. But... There's not beautiful sunsets and vistas. It's just all gray so that they can very accurately recreate and translate this stuff into the computer. Right, and right. take all that performance data. So they were talking about how you really have to rely on the actor next to you to keep the performance and stay in that moment and pretend like you're looking at these vistas because mm-hmm. you don't have those. You don't have access to those things. You don't have the clothes on your body. But then you see in the game, you can see details like sweat developing over time in areas that there weren't sweat that was the kind of detail i was totally obsessed with yeah like how accurately they got like the humidity to over time make chloe's hairline sweatier and then like her hairs then like stick to her face it was like what but it doesn't look like it's painted on either no not at all like it still leaves shadows right and highlights it's totally insane yeah it's Um, yeah or the way that like skin that has more dirt and sweat is more oily or matte mm-hmm. than other parts of your skin. Um, it just, I mean. I mean, you can essentially see their pores, which is nuts. Yeah, one of the great things is um, when you explore in the game, uh, you can find all these different treasures that seem useless aside from just inspecting them. They modeled all these little relics oh, yeah. and bowls and whatnot, and you can find them all over the place. And uh, if you collect enough of them over time, it actually unlocks different making of, like concept art and color studies environmental studies level design uh, sketches uh and it really you get to the point where you can actually unlock these character models to like view in 3d like a little sculpture mm-hmm. um so that's pretty cool too yeah they, those are very cool they know that people who play these games are probably wondering like we are what what went into this so you can actually zoom in for yourself didn't that also unlock other costumes oh yeah yeah it does yeah, you can cool. unlock 
you can unlock the, because they change costumes throughout the throughout game. Throughout the game, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, so are there any, like, environments that really stood out to you the most? Um, yeah, I mean, everything was, like, insanely gorgeous. Um, but I think... So some of my favorite environments definitely... Um, I love there's like the intro and then I guess there's like prologue and then kind of a main intro Um, Mm -hmm. the prologue is in the city kind of in a market area Mm -hmm. and that's very cool Chloe's sort of getting her outfit yeah Chloe's getting her outfit she has a great interaction with a little girl that they tie into the very end of the game it's such a good payoff and then they go into the prologue uh, chapter where which is what they revealed at E3, right? Yeah, that's where they start, where you're basically just in this You're still in, you're of in the city. Yeah, you're in the series of alleyways. And it's dark. Uh, it's clearly kind of like middle of the night. Yeah, you're, you're looking for this red door, and you're ascent, you find out that you're meeting up with Nadine. But mm-hmm. um, that, that, that whole intro and traversing those alleyways, there's such a great tension. There's all sorts of like kind of sounds going off in every corner and you're clearly not trying to hit a checkpoint with people so that people don't wonder what you're doing. And there's like monkeys and, you know, random people running around, but it's generally kind of deserted. So that feels really tense. Yeah, there's you mentioned the color red in the door. Um, One of the notes we had written down was that how they use color in this intro. Yeah. Also for gameplay purposes. You know, Chloe is wearing this red garment and she goes and... uh, is looking for what ends up becoming her headdress in the trailer. She doesn't wear it in the game. In the Ultimately, game, right, right. She just takes it with her. But And then she's looking for a red door. And it's almost like everywhere you go where the light is pointed, there's something red keeping you going the whole time. So yeah. that's a really great design choice. Um, that, that whole intro nighttime scene is incredibly saturated for being at night. Yeah. And it's so great. And you feel like that. I mean, I've never been to India, but from what I understand of friends i've known who've been there like all the colors there are incredibly saturated Mm -hmm. it's such a like vibrant it's such a vibrant city exactly yeah so i feel like that they kind of nailed it yeah and they do uh what was the other thing in that scene yeah one of the the other uh pieces from an interview with claudia black who plays chloe Mm -hmm. uh she said that that scene in particular because of how good their uh, performance capture technology got that was a scene where they she was doing the little just minutia, the interactions, the ticks that the character is doing to sort of stay, uh, not draw attention to themselves. Oh, yeah. And she was a little bit, uh, I don't know, chal- maybe not challenges in the right word. She just seemed interested in why is there like so little dialogue in this scene? You know, she's like, I'm not really doing much. And mm. she was a little bit, is this really going to work? Is this going to translate into the game? And they kept saying, no, like this scene is really all about you walking through this environment and so it was even harder because you have to think okay what's the environment i'm in it's in this really intimidating foreboding alleyway where there you can hear bombs going off in the distance right there's soldiers at checkpoints like you said checking you out like it's it's hostile so she's trying to think about that while she's moving through it and then she saw what it translated to in the game because they would have monitors to show the actual data like it wasn't just stick figures you could actually see the character models already doing what you in were the doing. environment yeah they would have like little monitors that show a little like pre-render of what her actions looked like oh that's cool so she was really impressed and, and made made a note about how it allowed her to be more subtle and that the games have allowed the performances to be more subtle over time like she's like i could just use my eyes and it would capture all that totally because the amount of detail is so intense mm-hmm. yeah that they can be more subtle like a movie yeah. 
And then uh, as far as other environments, um, my other favorites were there's a um, a puzzle with the Shiva statue and you're moving the arms and you're moving, one of the arms has an ax. And so you're moving all these components and it releases these uh, waterfalls, which is really cool. And then you kind of go up and there's um, this mirror puzzle in there as well. That environment's really neat. And then the other like coolest environment I feel is this amazing scene that you and I both really enjoyed of mm-hmm. when um, Nadine and Chloe are riding these elephants. It's a really special moment. One area I liked, it's actually right at the end of the prologue, uh, was the, it's like a Sav's treasure room where he has all his different oh, yeah. treasures. And you actually get uh, a glimpse at all these things he's collected. And he's sort of like a parallel to Uncharted 4 where Nathan Drake has his attic filled with all the treasures he's collected over the games. And it's a it's a cool throwback to all the games. If you played all of them, you get to see all the things you collected. Yeah. You're playing Nathan Drake and you get to see a Sobs version of that. And it's like pretty foreboding and all these different helmets and crowns and like chalices and stuff. So it's almost like evil Nathan Drake's attic. Um, <laughs> and you actually get to see like you get a we missed it the first time, but there's even a picture of the Tusk of Ganesh, a drawing of it. So you get a little idea of what you should look for mm-hmm. when you're when you're uh, looking for it in the game. There's like maps of where they think it is. Uh, I just thought it was a really moody scene and the way they end it with the lantern and even the lantern like almost tips at one point and they catch it because it's filled with oil. Yeah. And then they use the lantern later to, um, to set fire. To, yeah, to set fire to make a distraction and break out from uh, their confrontation with Asav. I thought that was just a really well, a nice balance of you're interacting with the scene, but it's also very visual and uh the developers directed that scene so you feel like you lead up to that moment and then as soon as they give you control back you're on this crazy chase in the rain over the rooftops yeah um well we were talking about that hidden city um so you mentioned Belor. do you want to maybe mention what each of the main mythology is that they were talking about between the three deities yeah so let's see so we've got ganesh which i think in Every day. I mean, a lot of this info is from Wikipedia, so we can always take it with a grain of salt. But, yeah, sure. Um, so I think Ganesh is usually known as Ganesha, is what Wikipedia said. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Ganesh is the god of new beginnings, success, and wisdom, uh, the remover of obstacles, and patron of arts and sciences. And this is the god in the game that has the tusks, obviously. So we're looking Correct. for the tusk of Ganesh. Correct. Okay. And then Shiva is known as supreme being god of destruction destroyer of evil um and god of yoga meditation and arts mm-hmm. and then parashurama who they mention a lot as well is the sixth avatar of vishnu which is one of the principal deities of hinduism the axe of parashurama is what was used to remove the tusk mm-hmm. in the in the legend in the game shiva has a bow and ganesh has a trident so they use those those like weapons and that symbolism a lot gotcha. in the game. Um, like in one part where you're in the Western Ghats, which is the big like landscape area, that's kind of the open world slash, what did you call it? Where it's like a hub or... But you said it's oh, like... Oh, wide but linear? Yeah, wide but linear. In that mm-hmm. area, um, there are towers and each tower is emblazoned with one of the weapons. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to get them all to sort of point towards one another. And yep. again, you're using... Um, you use these different checkpoints to manipulate a water system. Yep. And that unlocks access to other areas in the in this rural area in the Ghats. Exactly. Yeah. Which is really cool. Mm-hmm. 
And then, yeah, so the Hoysala Empire has two capitals, and one is Halibadu, which is where they are initially, mm-hmm. and then the other one is Balor. And they gotcha. initially think that the tusk is in Halibadu, and then it's It's not, in and Balor. it ends up being in the other one. Yeah. You end up really just opening uh, a way to get into Balor. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, essentially, right. um, over time. Mm-hmm. And they also have this disc with them the entire time that helps them figure out puzzles. And ultimately reveal the task. Yeah, no, speaking of puzzles, there's one of the my favorite ones was pretty shortly after the one, oh, I can't remember if it's before or after the one with Shiva, because that leads to the big uh, like water scene where they're like filling that tower with water and you have to climb out. It's really exciting. Oh, where with the like, Sav? Yeah, where you're like almost drowning and you have to yeah. like swim up and then I like mean, that's, the yeah. tower's collapsing. It's it's really crazy. I mean, the games always have these set pieces where it feels like the set that you're running on, like as if the platform you're running on is falling apart as you're running through it. It's right. really exciting. Right. Um, always kind of funny too when you think you're going to make it, like just in the movie, and then you don't, and the character kind of just falls and they're like, no, 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 no. Oh my gosh. Just, they just die and the we screen goes black. We always get a big black. kick out of that. Yeah, and it just is kind of anticlimactic and you rewind. But um, otherwise, if you do on the first try, it's always super exciting and it feels like you just made it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was um, a puzzle right around that part of the game uh, in the middle of it where you are doing the shadow play that's recreating the narrative. I think it's after. These, that's after. Yeah, between all these three deities and you have to move these different statues in this three by three grid. And the statues have different, uh, it's sort of, they're two-dimensionally carved so that from one angle, it's one silhouette, and from another angle, it's another silhouette. And so you're trying to create the full narrative of um, the weapons being bestowed upon these gods and then one of them using the axe to remove Ganesh's tusk. Mm -hmm. And so that unlocks this room that eventually takes you to the tusk of Ganesh. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting how they feel like, oh, okay, well, where did this tusk go? And so the mythology is that it's, it's been hiding in this, in this uh, ancient city of Belur. Mm -hmm. So, um, and whether or not it actually is Ganesh's tusk or if it's just meant to represent it, it's this really beautiful tusk. That's almost looks like it's made of sapphire. It's encrusted with jewels and gold yeah. Uh, it's incredible looking. It's a really great reveal when you finally get it. It's so satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have some good quotes about the environment. Yeah, go for it. If that's of interest. Um, so I was reading about the environments. Uh, there's an article on VentureBeat that's how Uncharted 4's artists created their amazing landscapes. Hmm. And it's not all that revealing, much like how I'm asking you about if they like travel mm. to the locations and they don't really ever say. Sure. So one part is they said, um, I mean, they were talking about obviously Uncharted 4, not Lost Legacy, but you can imagine that the methodology is the same. Sure. So they said, when we started developing Uncharted 4 for the PS4, we chose to build our new render engine around the principles of physically based rendering, PBR. Hmm. Um, Perhaps Blue Ribbon. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, more importantly, Naughty Dog has always been about handcrafted graphics, and we were going to continue in that tradition with Uncharted 4. The trick was to integrate the artistry of handcrafted assets with the rigid requ- requirements of PBR. So I don't know what the rigid requirements of PBR are, besides for maybe drinking it again if it's the beer. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> I think what they mean is there's probably to achieve the level of fidelity they have, there's a lot, you know, even in some of the 3D modeling I've been working on lately, there's just a lot that can be 
uh, you can approach 3D art assets from so many ways so that you are creating as many um, accurate physical points of like lighting and mm-hmm. volume. Mm-hmm. So there might be some things that you can't handcraft a waterfall per se sometimes. Like sometimes you have an area where a waterfall should exist, but then you have like a different, like what's called a particle system, like particles of water are going down this chasm. And if you use, um, there's like different entities you can use in different 3D modeling programs or game engines that say a water source is here. Right. And then you start to render that water source differently depending on the lighting and the volume and the momentum. So that's probably what they're saying is there's probably some sort of mixture of like they're leaning more and more heavily into things that simulate physics so that we see things that look more natural. Um, whereas they're trying to reduce the amount of actual physical things they're making because those things are static and they're stuck. You know, and those versus, take more time, I'm sure. Uh, different amount of time. I mean, I think setting up a system, it's like if setting up anything static, like a photograph versus programmatic, like an application or mm-hmm. a website or something, where some things are like, I need to have variable data to work with, mm-hmm. just as like the water is going to look different every time it hits the ground because of you know, gravity and distance and all those things, whereas right. this mountain's always going to look the same. Because it's stationary and it hasn't changed in 100 years. Yeah. So you can kind of use those maybe real life principles to decide what is dynamic and what is static. So maybe that's what they're getting at. That makes sense. Um, So it probably just means they're just maybe in past Uncharted they had more like static models for things that should be dynamic. Yeah. And they were running into maybe some kind of wall with how realistic it could look. So that's probably what they're talking about. That makes sense. Yeah. The other thing, the other quote from this that I enjoyed um that just kind of speaks to the amount of detail in the game yeah (laughs) um is they said quote we as artists and designers strive for something more the intangible sense of the sublime i think at the core that is why our games look better because we have a reason behind each asset placed in the world like a rock phone or a trash can our games are story oriented And because of that, we add as much depth as possible when it comes to the macro and micro of our environmental storytelling Mm. that may or may not even add anything to the greater story. Yeah. I feel like that's such a good point because, you know, there are so many little things that you like, like you said about the the tree trunk falling into the water. Like if you didn't look down, you wouldn't notice it falling into the water, but they added that in in case Mm. you did. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, a lot of games when they get that detail, you have to. You can't just build a room. You have to fill it with things. Mm -hmm. And you have to make it feel like this room had a purpose and it had um, a place in history at some point and where it was left is where it was left as it was abandoned. So there has to be some sort of... You should be able to read the room and have an understanding of what was going on in that room, whether it was a ceremonial room, a house, um, a tomb, a grave, whatever that was. Uh, I actually think a really great example of that, which um, could probably take us into our our last topic about all the characters and the acting, yeah, is um, in that second act where it's more open world. There's this totally unnecessary quest that I did not feel like doing, but you felt like, oh yeah, we should do this. Like we should go to all these different marker areas and turn these different. I can't yeah. remember exactly what the motor function was that you right, did. Right, right. But we were, no, we were collecting these coins. Coins. Yeah, there was these was um, special coins that we were going around collecting that were marked on this map. Was There's not only going and finding the towers that represent these three deities and progressing through the game, but there's maybe like 13 or so of these uh, yeah, special kind of smaller towers, but they're harder to find. And each of them stores a coin that represents, I think there's a different animal on each one. 
Yeah. And you then take all these coins to this other area on the map and put them in this actual part of a, of a wall, this relief wall. And once you do that, it unlocks this little, uh, I don't know, cage that has mm-hmm. a red bracelet in it. That's like the bracelet of this one queen. And when you get it, this bracelet is not only like a way to explore this whole area, but this bracelet lets you find all these different treasures that you would find in these rooms that are otherwise, you know, like they're trying to make this world feel really believable. So every time you go to one of these places, you you feel like this is actually a place that was left a certain way and it's decorated and set up um, in a way that feels like it was lived in. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then when you get the bracelet, it's like, oh, well, now I can find all these different treasures and get the concept art for the game. But every time like the bracelet glows or the controller vibrates, it makes that noise. Um, So it alerts you to when you're near a treasure. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you have to just find them. Yeah. Which is very difficult to find all of them. But it's And Chloe also wears the bracelet, which is sweet. Yeah, it's awesome. Another good use of the color red. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, uh, and it even so much as... So when you get the bracelet, it's like a great way to invite the player to explore all these nooks and crannies and get to appreciate all these details. Yeah. Um, and make it a little bit easier for you. I feel like if I had played an Uncharted game before, I probably wouldn't have been into that puzzle. I would have been like, well, whatever. It but felt I think worth it. It felt worth it. It was fun. Yeah. And then uh, when we get to the uh, title screen of the game, every time you get a new little artifact, oh, yeah. it's sweet. It appears on the... Uh, yeah, the title screen is really great. You're like in this... You take a boat after the first act of the game to the gats and the scene it's like this title screen where it's this ambient uh, shot right on on the interior of the boat at this uh, little table and all the different artifacts and maps you get slowly start to accumulate on the table and the bracelet when you get that it even shows up in the yeah. title screen which is like a cool way to show progress the best thing it adds is the pizza box from yeah. the end yes the pizza box which is the callback to meeting to the, the girl, girl. You, you promise her that you'll pizza's on you when you get back and then it is yeah, the amount of detail, you know, we're going on about with the environments and the world building that they're doing, um, it wouldn't be the same without the performances that are given in the game. I totally. Very much so the game, you're kept, I feel like my interest was kept because of the narrative going on between the two characters in real time. Absolutely. Um, how did you feel about all the, uh, you know, dialogue in games is touchy. Yeah. Uh, but how, it seemed like we both really were entertained by uh, yeah, the I think, and... uh, yeah, I think the dynamic between Chloe and Nadine was really believable. I feel like they're kind of opposites mm. in terms of just their personalities. Maybe if they met any other way in real life, they wouldn't, in real life in the game. Yeah. Um, maybe if they met any other way, they wouldn't really be friends. But they're kind of forced together in this situation. Because in a sense, Nadine is working for Chloe here, mm. even though she resents that and she brings it up often. Uh, but yeah, I love their dynamic because they kind of have these little tiffs every once in a while. Um, they, and they, you know, they have a lot of ups and downs actually in, in a way where they, there's a whole, you know, section where Nadine is really upset with Chloe. Um, and eventually they get over it and it's, it's really just like a great example of women's friendship and they ultimately help each other and they're, they very rarely talk about either Nathan Drake or Sam. They bring them up once in a while and, you know, Sam joins them later. But I even preferred it. I preferred it more when it was just the two of them. Yeah, they almost didn't need to do that They didn't really need to add the Sam part. It's, like, entertaining, but I was much more engaged with just the relationship of the two of them. I had a pretty good quote about their 
their relationship that I enjoyed. Um, so this was an, from an article in Paste magazine, um, which is why Uncharted needed Chloe Fraser in a starring role. And just this quote is, the Lost Legacy is definitely a game about girl power, but that power is in the fact that they can be themselves. There are so many moments where the women can laugh at their own past relationships. They aren't ashamed of what they've done, but they also recognize they're not the same people who made their previous choices. Chloe may not be as flirtatious, which I'm assuming is referring to her role in Uncharted 2, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but she still has her charm that's been with her since Among Thieves. Likewise, Nadine is still a no-nonsense person, but there's more to her than that strength. She has compassion and a deep interest in history that she simply hasn't had a chance to use before. That's the end of the quote. But it's nice that they mention that, like, you know, they acknowledge that they've maybe made bad choices in the past. And not only about relationships like this article mentioned, but, like, you know, just, like, talking about their adventures and treasure hunting and jobs and in general. And, you know definitely like passes the Bechdel test like they're not just yammering on about Nathan Drake like they barely mention him at all um and yeah I think they just have a really good relationship and it's it's really nice to hear them Mm -hmm. talk so frankly with each other yeah they have I feel like what you're getting at there is that they uh there's there's a sense of growth from where they were in the last games to this one right in this game they even have even further growth it's I think it's really hard to find good character arcs in video games and the arcs in this game are aren't enormous, but they're the subtleties are really conveyed. It feels like the place they needed to get to over the, these next few days was just enough. You know, Chloe is very. You know, there's times where they're like, "Oh, you got a plan, right?" And Chloe has this look where she's like, "Sure," but the look on her face from the actor's performance is, "No, but who cares? We'll figure it out." And you know, Nadine is like, like you said, she's uh, structured and wants a plan, but she is you know she doesn't have a lot of vulnerability but she shows compassion for chloe and i think she shows her vulnerability later yeah and i think a good example of that compassion is you know chloe doesn't really disclose that her dad has passed away until later on Mm -hmm. you kind of see in the way that nadine mentions uh, she'll say something about chloe's dad because chloe's talking about how her dad this is his lost legacy yeah yeah, yeah. the city and uh this this area they're going to and this myth is a lost legacy um, Chloe's dad never got to finish this expedition he was on. Right. Uh, so she's trying to finish it for him, but Nadine doesn't really put together that her dad has passed away until Chloe starts talking in the past tense. Yeah. Which is such a subtle turn of like deciding to talk that way and the way that the actors express that and Nadine realizing, oh my bad, and putting her guard down for a second. Um, so just the way that, you know, Nadine can show vulnerability and can reach out even when she's really structured and militant from her previous employment in uncharted 4 mm-hmm. and chloe is very bombastic and improvisational but these uh these performances come across super super well because of uh the two actors that play these roles uh, chloe played again by claudia black and then laura bailey who plays nadine uh, i looked up their credits and i was amused by the uh the, the games and the uh, roles that they play mm-hmm. um so claudia black there wasn't as many maybe standout characters, but she was in a lot of big franchises already. She was um, a character in Wolfenstein 2 that came out last year that was oh, a big hit. Okay. And I suspect she was probably one of the bigger characters in that game because uh, there was a lot of strong female roles in that game from what I read. Yeah. She's been in the Dragon Age series. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in Diablo 3 and she was in Gears of War. 
So she's been on a lot of huge franchises as uh, characters throughout that. But uh, Laura Bailey, uh, it was really interesting because one, as a callback to our first episode, in one of the later spinoff Resident Evil, she played Sherry Birkin, who is a huge character in Resident Evil 2. She plays, oh. She's a child in Resident Evil 2, but she grows up throughout the series. And I guess one of the older versions of Sherry Birkin was uh, played by Laura Bailey. Um, in the newer Street Fighters, she's Chun-Li. Oh. Which is pretty great. Um, World of Warcraft, which just had an expansion released uh, this week. And in Hearthstone, she plays Jaina Proudmore, who is like one of the lead characters of that that series, mm-hmm. a mage. Something you'll... Uh, most familiar to both of us, she plays Supergirl in Injustice 2. Right. Which is one of my favorite characters in Injustice 2, and I never even noticed. Yeah, I didn't you know? notice that either. So that's pretty great. And it looks like she's apparently going to be in The Last of Us Part 2. Um, oh, that's sweet. Undisclosed character. So um, that, that feels right, though. Yeah. So she's got she's in, got some pretty major roles, pretty iconic characters in our video game history. So that's pretty awesome. I, I watched an interview, uh, it was right after that trailer that we were talking about earlier came out, and they did sort of a round table with a few of the lead people on Uncharted, uh, The Lost Legacy, and then they also talked to Laura and Claudia about their experience, and um, we talked a little bit about what uh, limitations they had and what affordances they had with the different technology they had to use. So a couple fun things from their interview that I didn't mention already um, they were asked about what this experience was like compared to maybe theater or being on a movie set. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that stood out to me was they said it's both freeing and much more difficult because you can do whatever you want and you can kind of imagine whatever you need to and you can sort of put into the performance what you need to and the game can translate that in different ways. Like, for instance, they said there was one day on a set where they had another actor who was in sort of, they were doing some fighting stuff to capture the action animation in the game. And they felt like the opposite actor wasn't fighting confidently and felt like this is going to look horrible. It's going to look like we don't know what we're doing fighting. But then they were saying once you see it in the game and it's sped up a little bit or you actually see the character models attached to it, it looked much more aggressive and intense. Hmm. So they were like, we didn't necessarily, you know, sometimes on sets you have to really get punched in order to feel like you're getting punched. Right, it has to be like really high intensity. Yeah, so they were like... So for the game, they don't have to be that of, yeah. like hard-hitting, Go, I guess. Yeah, but at the same time, they said, uh, because when you're constantly wearing these helmets now to capture your eyes and all the uh, dots on your face to get all the oh, different muscle movements, yeah. there's, mo- there's moments in the game where a lot of times Chloe uh, is looking through binoculars to look in the distance, and every time they bring the binoculars to their face, there's this huge <laughs> infrastructure on their head and they bump into it yeah and you have like these foam uh fake binoculars that are like velcroed onto the side of your oh gray mocap suit so like you're bumping into so it's it like, dunk. maybe something they could improve in the future with uh, uh performance capture stuff so i thought that was pretty funny um and then one other thing was they were asked you know what are they looking forward to um, and they're kind of comparing to what they want to go do to what they had. And they were saying that they used to not even be able to do voice and acting at the same time. They used to have to do vocal yeah, acting. Yeah, that makes sense. And do the voice acting first. And then you would have people sort of pantomiming to that. And that's what would lead to a lot of video games. Not necessarily the old Uncharted games, but other video games where it felt like there was this disembodiment of yeah. the voice and the character's physicality. So because they were like, when they started Uncharted, they were saying, we really need to tie the two together. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really important. And 
go when they first started their games that was something they sort of innovated on and all the way to now they're actually playing with looking at can we actually make digital sets like almost half made movie sets and record that and have the mm. use some of that data so they're actually on a faux set um, while they're doing these things and not just in an empty space and like we could actually capture all the information from that set so it's almost like they're shooting a live action movie so the metaphor is that you know when you're making a movie it's about choosing which camera you're going to use for which scene and then when you're making a video game you have to remake the camera for the entire video game like the idea of a camera <laughs> because like you were saying um i think with uh, naughty dog and talking about that pbr engine yeah uh, or some of that technology they usually with video games you have to think well what are the challenges this video game is going to present to us creating it what's the experience we want to offer mm-hmm. so sometimes the tech you're using doesn't have this significant feature you need in order to sell the thing you're trying to do so you have to like build this whole custom thing to add on to your quote-unquote camera right have it seamlessly plug in and then test it and make sure it's going to work in all these different instances or different challenges so um i feel like i imagine uncharted has been a game where they've had to continually reinvent their own camera Um, definitely i mean there's so many points where it's going from gameplay to immediate seamless you know scene Mm -hmm. that's just playing out that you can't control and then it immediately goes back to gameplay yeah i just feel like they do that so seamlessly that they must have had to create that themselves i mean yeah they don't even cut it's because there's not yeah there's not even a cut that's you as a photographer i think like what is uh i don't know i think it just it'd be interesting to have control of just a digital camera you know camera that has no weight that can get into any size thing that can have any lens like that's probably why they because you know they can okay we're in top of this canopy and we can swing all the way down through these digital leaves to the characters that you're right. about to play so they can achieve things that the amount of the kind of crane you would have to use on a movie set to achieve those shots or like yeah such a small space where you'd have to like crawl into it or you know yeah like uh the perspective of a mouse or like something. that thing and yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like the game was really successful um in terms of my enjoyment of it and playing mm-hmm. it and their relationship, it really like the game exceeded my expectations in many ways. And mm-hmm. same, it was so much fun to play, so much fun to see their relationship play out, so much fun to like, you know, just get to live in the environment with these women and have these adventures. Um, yeah, it was just a really satisfying story, and I I love the wrap up too. I thought it was just a great game and the perfect length, like I said before. Mm-hmm. What was the wrap up? What uh, are you talking about? The 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 payoff at the end oh, with the pizza. Do you wanna, it was do just you like explain that. I think we never did the. Oh uh, well, end. yeah. So at the very beginning, you're meeting this little girl, and she's she's like very scared for you, and she can tell that you're about to go do something dangerous. So she's like, no, no, don't go. Just stay in my house and in order to kind of, uh, you know, like abate her in a way, mm-hmm. Chloe is just like, don't worry. I just got to go do this thing. I got to go help someone. So, uh, pizza's on me when I get back. Mm. And then yeah, you kind of, I mean, you go on so many adventures that you kind of forget about that entirely. <laughs> and then at the very end of the game, after this huge, like train chase. After and, the credits too, I think. Was it after the credits? I think it's like way after. You're probably right. So yeah. And then at the very, very end there, you and Nadine 
and Sam, Sam, yeah, and the little girl are all sitting in the market eating this like gooey, delicious pizza, and it's like so satisfying. I You're think just like yes, the pizza looks so realistic. It too. looks so good, like the grease and the the toppings and everything. And they're just sitting there listening. And they're just to some like music. having a great time. Like yeah, the radio's on. There's some Indian music playing. I think. Yeah, and, and it's like dusk or something so this colors are really saturated mm-hmm. again and it's it's a much more lighthearted moment of just like yeah you're just chilling and eating pizza yeah it's like i think it's also uh great the dynamic range that the charter can go from you know watching this uh, civil war begin in the beginning and it's really unsettling yeah. to we all made it out alive and we're just we're just enjoying this moment yeah and eating a piece of pizza yep even with Uncharted, I think our reaction every time we see pizza in a video game is now I want pizza. Yeah, when they can render it so realistically now, it's just like, like even just talking about it right now, on. I'm picturing it and I want the pizza. Pizza, pizza. That's the, no, not sponsored. Hashtag not, not sponsored. sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, sorry. Not that pizza. Maybe we can get Dewey's uh, Dewey's, us. if you want to sponsor us, hit us up. We're in Cleveland. We could always use a slice. One GF, one not GF. Mm-hmm. Um, but until then, I think we're just going to grab some pizza ourselves here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining me again, Hillary. You are yet to be dethroned. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see how long I keep my title. Yeah. We'll have to have like a battle royale one day of all the people who have been on the show. That sounds more intense. More than anyone else. Only as long as there's pizza afterward. Yeah, it'll be a pizza battle. Okay. Music in today's episode was composed by Henry Jackman for the official soundtrack to Uncharted, The Lost Legacy. Thanks for listening to episode three of Screen Looking. If you like what you've been hearing, we'd much appreciate a review through the podcast app or through iTunes, and we hope you'll subscribe and join us for another episode next month. Um, Based on the rate we're going, it looks like we're going to be aiming to do one episode per month. We're not exactly sure where in the month it's always going to fall, hopefully maybe closer to the center, so we're a little more consistent. But uh, yeah, that's probably the pace we're going to be going at for the foreseeable future. And our next episode for September should feel somewhat different as we'll be venturing away from single-player console games and into the competitive digital card game scene with Hearthstone Heroes of Warcraft. I'll be joined again by my close friend Alex Koval from episode one, if you remember as well as an extra special guest for part of the discussion. You'll just have to tune in to find out who. Thanks again for listening. I'm Andrew Kuhar, your host, and we'll see you next time. No, 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 no,